400 points. Awesome stuff. Hey, we've got some different text messages here. The first one is from um, former host Monica, um, who Came just on. texted me to make fun of me for saying Time Magazine instead of Science Magazine. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Monica. Uh, thank Still you for your Still a good magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're giving away Science Magazine, which is good. All right. Hey, we have some different text messages who have come in. The first one here. Um, this was talking about we – we were covering um, – yeah – a movie that was coming out made by Robbie Fat, a local around kind of these parts. Well, he's Sydney, Sydney, Sydney local. Extended these parts to yeah, Sydney. That's yep. right. That's right. Um, but he's making a, an incredible movie about, you know, the Christian life and what faith really looks like, mm. what religion really looks like. Um, but and I think I mentioned that I had watched an episode of The Chosen like four months ago. Yes. And we had a text message come in that said, I think Lloyd Groleman, who is another presenter yep. here on Aussie Faith Pastor. Event, Aussie Pastor, said to be careful of the, the series The Chosen because some of the content. Um, I want to say this. You mm. should be careful of anything that isn't the Bible. Yes. In fact, oh, I don't know. Okay, I don't want to say this and get like miss. Mis, um, misunderstood. Maybe but, Monica will text again. With yeah, that's right. <laughs> reprimand. But, but maybe even sometimes you should be careful about what people are telling you about the Bible. Like sitting down and doing a Bible study with someone and like, you know, the, the reality is, is like, so any biblical media has the opportunity to misinterpret what's going on in the Bible and present falsehoods. Mm. And, I mean, I watched, like, one episode of The Chosen and there were many things that I thought were good and there were a couple of things where I was a bit, like, cringe, you know. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of theologically incorrect. Like, why would they say that? But furthermore, and, and that's just from, you know, from what I've read in the Bible, from what I see from Scripture and the beliefs that I had, I'm like, oh, did, does that necessarily line up? I know there are people who would take it a little bit more further with The Chosen. I know that... Um, People kind of say, oh, no, this is promoting mm, yep. ecumenism and everyone coming back and being a part of one church and renouncing Bible truths. I haven't really gotten into The Chosen. I'm like, I've seen like a couple of episodes. I'm not like yep, aptly, aptly following it. I'm not, you know, the biggest Chosen fan in the world. I think, you know, it's a very well-made series in terms Absolutely. of its production quality. I think that's the thing that sets it apart and why it's doing so well financially and why so many people watch it and are into it. Um, but yeah, The Chosen or this new movie that we're promoting by Robbie Fat, which I'm sure will be incredible, or, um, you know, Tortured for Christ or none of these are the Bible. Hacksaw Ridge, like whatever you want. None of these are the Bible. That's right. Um, we have as Christians a a need to go back to what the Bible actually says and to read it for ourselves to come to understanding. Like it is the sure word of faith. Um, and we are, you know, as we covered with uh, Eliza when she was in here talking about the church in the wilderness, we see there a split that takes place where there are a group of people who are God's people hiding mm. in the wilderness from pe other people who claim to be God's people who are actively trying to persecute them. Right. We see clearly that just because your namesake is Christian, that doesn't mean that you're led by the truth. And so, guys, we want to encourage you in faith of him, and we encourage you every single day. Spend time in the Word of God. Yeah, and to, the thing Jesus is, you have the that. ability to check for yourself. So every director and every film we watch is a perspective that that mm. person has personally experienced, not you or I. That's theirs. That's right. And all you have to do is get on your paper Bible or your app and check for yourself. Mm -hmm. Back find and pray and read through the Bible. Even like, oh, I don't want to turn this into. We can talk now. Oh, like we could get into like hermeneutics and like mm. you know interpretation versus interpretation and, and whatnot. That word hermeneutic, it's basically referring to what system of interpretation do we use 
when it comes to the Bible? Do we take it literally, figuratively? And and there are different points in the Bible that call for that. You know, there's prophetic writings that are symbolic, like all different things when we cover hermeneutics. And that's where it's useful and valuable to get, be engaged with a community of faith to see what they believe, stack their hermeneutic up against the Bible and say, okay, these people really teaching an interpretation of the Bible that's correct. But um, ultimately, yeah, we could we could jump into big theological ideas here, but we just want to encourage you, get to the Bible, man. Like, mm. spend time in the Word of God. Oh, man, we have other text messages, and I'm just going Ooh, hard. Yay. All right, uh, Prince Andrew, remember that God is no respecter of man. Unfortunately, man is. And we're seeing that people are kind of becoming non-respecters of man too because, um, you know, they've stripped all Andrew's titles away for the, for the purpose yep. of being able to serve him justice, if that is what's needed. Um, Once but, a royal, now potentially a criminal. Criminal, that's right. But the sentiment here is so correct. God is no respecter of man. Sin is sin, and there's no mm. position or title you can hold that, um, you know, ad- admonishes you from that other than repentance. Absolutely. All have sinned. That is correct. I was I was actually reading in my in my devotions this morning. I'm reading through the histories of of Israel within the Bible and um covering I'm in the book of First Kings and it's like this king was good because he followed the Lord and this king who is a king of Israel, a leader mm. of God's people, was awful and practiced paganism <laughs> and led the you know into led them into destruction. Like it doesn't matter who you are. Um, ultimately, yeah, it's um you're you're struggling. You're a human being, therefore you need to come to God. All right, oh, I've had another text message come in. Abortions. Imagine being a doctor who makes a living by killing babies um, for the love of money. Mass murder condemned, uh, condoned and legalized by governments. How will go- how God will judge them? Guilty. According to the World Health Organization, 73 million abortions occur worldwide each year. Just consider how many abortions happened in your lifetime. Well, mm. now um, we covered a story in my segment about the leading cause of death in 2021. Um, and with a resounding and commanding lead in first place was abortion with about 45.2 million deaths, according to the statistics that I saw. Um, now, I think the World Health Organization um, incorporates some estimates on, um, you know, maybe unreported abortions and whatnot. And they say it's around, as the texter has sent in here, around 73 million. And it is an incredibly sad, mm, and, sad. and difficult situation that we really need to be praying for. But I do think, and I, I mean, in the defense of the doctors out there, um, they, while they get paid, that's not their sole source of income. So mm. there are, you know, congenital abnormalities and issues that people oh. face. So we yep. don't always know the context, um, but I think there's something that, you know, as Christians, uh, we can put to prayer mm. um, and pray for those practitioners because they need wisdom and guidance as well. Totally. Oh, Tavi, fantastic insight. All right. Our last text message here about The Chosen again. The Chosen, watched many times, one of the best series I've seen, not perfect theology, um, but more of a, but it has a more real Jesus than most Hollywood movies. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a TV show. Um, mm. but it, like many people enjoy it and like it, not because they're sitting here and there and they're like, Oh, this is incorrect. And I agree with its incorrect message, but that it portrays a message, you know, it's a picture of Jesus going about his life, doing his work that in many yeah. ways is biblically accurate and, and fleshing out. And so we, we're just in need to know what the Bible says so that we can pick out those differences and even watching it you know on a movie it it brings it to life for us and while not every single thing is absolutely correct and we have the opportunity to fact check Mm. as we talked about we can we can picture and envision that process much more and bring the bible to life ourselves 
Totally. I completely agree. Well, that's why Bible commentaries exist, right? Yeah. And like we, we have Strong's Bi- concordance. That's well. Strong, well, Strong's is just like, Strong's is hectic, dude. It's just like, <laughs> oh, there's this word and it's used this many times. Da, da, da. But there's, yeah, so many Bible commentaries out there. They're written by people. Shows are made by people, you know, and, and again, we're in need to just fact check everything against the Bible and, and make sure things are correct for ourselves. Makes me think, what is this Jesus that they talked about? The most real Jesus in The Chosen. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because, yeah. We, can... we grow up with so many different pictures, you know, that's long right. crown, curly hair, blue eyes, piercing yeah. blue eyes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, or, you know, they're kind of making the, the correct shift now to portraying Jesus as Middle Eastern. Um, but, yeah, it's we are in desperate need to know, man, who is Jesus to me? I just want to see him. Who is Jesus in, in my life? And the only way we can come to that conclusion is from reading and spending time in the Bible mm, and in amen. prayer. So, guys, we encourage you to do so. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. But now we're going to get into our Bible study for today. We are back in the book of Hebrews, um, spending some time in there. We're going to finish off chapter one today and then jump into chapter two. And it's going to be awesome because we have been just trawling our way through, gleaning from these verses, meaning, some application, um, some different blessings. Diving and... into the depths of chapter one. <laughs> That's right. Um, but let's, let's now, we're going to pretty much finish it off. So, Tabby, could you read for us maybe, so we covered verse 8, 9, 10, 11. Let's, let's start in verse 10. 10. And probably read to the end of the chapter. Sure. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens were, are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will, with, they will all wear out a garment. You will roll the, you will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. You will remain the same and your years will never end. To which the angels of God ever say, sit at, let me try that again. I'm having some tongue twisting Friday. That's right. To the angels of God, to, to which the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Mm. Awesome stuff. Yeah, so we're reading through here, and Paul has been making this case in the first chapter. He will, he will make it over the next two chapters about who who the Messiah, the Christ would be, and what his function would be when he would mm. be on earth. What would he be like? And he's made this big, long case here about mm-hmm. what he would do. And He um, takes it right back to the beginning. Yeah, you know, that's He laid right. the foundations of the earth, the heaven, and other work, that's the work right. of your hands. He's ultimately giving credence here to the divinity of Christ, the godliness of Christ. Hey, and and he's been comparing Christ to angels thus far. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, no angel even compares. Now there would be motivation for Paul, the assumed writer of the book of Hebrews to do so, because what we've seen throughout this great controversy taking place, that it has been Christ versus Satan. Um, Satan is an angel who Mm. wants ascribed to him worship and godly position. Like that is his like a one, his manifesto. Like that is his thing. He's like, I want to be like God. I want to have power like God. Um, but he can't because he's an angel. Now the Messiah, on the other hand, the one who would come and save everyone who would purge them from their sins, as we, we covered earlier in the week, he does, he can have that position to be worshiped and all these things. Why? Because he is the creator God. 
right. like he is God coming as a person to save people from their sins. Um, he literally is a thing, like a, a being that has the ability to be worshipped and deserves that worship. And uh, that's the theme that we see throughout Hebrews. You know, the God is the creator. He is divine. He is powerful. Mm. Um, and, you know, as we read through these verses, it just shines out of every verse. Yeah, and as we have here in verse 13, uh, and he brings that quote in from Psalm 110, it says, sit at my right hand till I make my enemies a footstool. You know, and he says, hey, to which of the angels did he ever say that? Like, which angel mm. did he say, sit, did God say, sit at my right hand? Again, pointing to the divinity of Christ. Um, this is very Middle Eastern culture. We kind of don't have this experience here in Australia. But the idea of, like, basically when a, when a king would invite another king to come mm. uh, to spend time with them, say they would have a feast together, um, that king would sit at the, the hosting king's right hand. And it ultimately recognized... VIP guest. That's right, <laughs> VIP. It would ultimately symbolize that these two people are at, they are on equal footing. You know, the person who sits at the head of the table, they are the head of the the feast, the banquet. They Is are, that why you're sitting there on the table? Ah, <laughs> come on, Abby, no way. No, we are we are equals here in the studio. Uh, but because, we, you know, we don't abide to Middle Eastern culture here in, here in Faith FM. Um, but, yeah, within Middle Eastern culture would be the, the person footing the bill, essentially, the, the, the head of the feast, he would be sitting at the end. But to put someone at his right hand ultimately symbolizes equalness. Mm. And it's like, you know, is writing right here, sit at my right hand till I make my enemies a footstool. This is God speaking to the Messiah. This is God speaking to God. Hey, we are of equal status. You are also a ruler in the universe who deserves worship and praise. Why? Because you are God. We are God. You, we've done this work of saving the world um, mm. and of destroying sin. Also, it highlights the power of God. You mm. know, when you think about your enemy and your oppressor, like, you know, they're against you. You have no guarantee of victory. You have to try your best to mm-hmm. conquer. And he says, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So mm. they'll be so beneath you that his power will conquer all. Wow, that's such a that's such an awesome theme to bring out of this, like the oppressor theme, because it's been continually throughout the Bible has there been this theme of like God's people being oppressed. You know, we see the ultimate oppression throughout the Bible, the big, long biblical theme, which is Mm. sin and Satan and death being the ultimate oppressor, which is the very thing that Messiah came to solve by Mm. dying. He gives everyone the the ability to be free from sin, free from death, um, free from the burdens of the world, um, of the world that we live in, because it will ultimately be destroyed and be made new. And those who are coming along are those who choose him. But then you think of it like the story of, of Moses. You know, and of the Israelite, you know, they're literally captives. Um, You think of the stories of, you know, throughout the book of Judges when they're enslaved and um, God raises up a man like Samson or like Gideon or like Deborah or or these different people to go and to fight on God's behalf to liberate his people. Um, So many good examples. Totally. You think about like they have the, they go through the Babylonian captivity after generations of um, unfaithfulness to God and they become captives. But then afterwards, you know, uh, God raises up people like Nehemiah and Ezra who do the work of, of and, and Daniel even of, of prophesying, of speaking to kings and of organizing the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Uh, and now we see that ultimately fulfilled in Christ, this this grand, um, you know, chain breaker who is, you know, destroying Conqueror. sin. Conqueror. Oh, it's awesome. Um, but then in verse, do you want to read verse 14 again for us? Sure. 
Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? That's right. Oh, that's that's amazing. So it's like, hey, he makes his final point here in, in chapter one. He says, hey, what, what are angels function? Oh, like purely as servants. Like mm. angels are purely servants. Ministering to, spirits. Ministering spirits to help us. Now, Christ, we're going to see here in verse two, he gets into how Christ served, how Christ ministered. But he starts off with here with Christ is the king. Like Christ, the Messiah, he is God, like he is something else, this higher position than the angels. Angels wholly and solely minister, mm. um, but Christ will minister, but he will also be worshipped. He will be sovereign. He will be um, he will be the one to to be Lord over his people. Um, why? Because he is God. He deserves it. He's mm. done the work to put him in that position. I think it's really cool um, that angels they obviously do the work of God, but like they're sent for us to minister mm. to us. When you know, when you were younger, you used to say prayers and pray for the angels to be with you mm. and the, and, you know, be extra close to you at this or that time. Um, mm. I just feel you know so comforted that you know the conqueror of all that can make enemies a footstool at my feet also sends angels like mm. to minister to us through mm. this time. Totally awesome. Okay, so we've finished chapter one. Paul's Woo! made this big case about who the Messiah would be. You know, kind of what would his functions be? What would he do? And then it would ultimately be a person coming to the world in f- in the flesh who would be God dying for their sins, yeah. um, who would be purging them for their sins, who would be doing that work. But whilst he looks like a person, he is even higher than the angels. So he's making this this case for this. And then we come to verse two, uh, sorry, chapter two and verse one. So you give that to us, Tavi. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Mm. This is a super good point, and there's a number of times throughout the book of Hebrews where Paul reminds them, you know, take heed, think about what we've learned, think about what we know. Um, because, like, think about the, 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 the case that he's making, is that a person can come as the Messiah, Mm. who is God in the flesh. Uh, now we see in Matthew chapter 24 where the Bible says many false Christs will come, many people will come to deceive, and they'll saying, I am he, um, I am the Christ. Um, essentially, like, you kind of set, you're setting a situ- up a situation where it is possible for people to be deceived. Yes. Now, up until this point, the Hebrews have been very disillusioned with who Jesus was. They, A lot of them converted and became Christians, but a lot of them didn't. And That's they right. were like, oh, we don't believe Some are still people. waiting. Yeah, they, 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 well, the Jewish religion today mm-hmm. is still waiting for a Messiah. But even at this time, they saw everything that happened with Christ and they ultimately disbelieved um, and said, oh, no, there is no Christ. But now if, he, if Paul is making the case from Scripture, like, no, there will be a Christ, you have a new kind of situation where deception can come in and people can drift away. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I just had a text message come in that was referring to something that you were saying, Tammy, Ooh, actually. Brace myself. Um, it's actually from one of my friends, Johanna. She texted in and said, uh, page 117 of the book Ministry of Healing says, in no place is a closer fellowship with Christ needed than in the work of the physician. Mm, um, amen. And that was specifically referencing, you know, we got some text messages in about what we were covering in terms of um, yeah, abortion being the leading cause of death 
in 2021. And yeah, we had some text messages coming in saying, oh, this is so evil. And a lot of doctors are doing this for, for, for the money and whatnot. Um, and you had some some interesting commentary on that about how ultimately we need to be praying for these people. And Absolutely. And, and yeah, so you've got, you've got support they've, from the listeners. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I do have some friends in medicine and they've been entrusted with such a big role and, and it's balancing out, you know, what, you know, secular modern medicine teaches and their personal values, their skill set and their, their faith. So it's a, it's a very thin line to walk. Um, but I think that God has called people to medicine and to make those hard decisions. Amen. So let's keep praying for them. Definitely. All right. Getting back into Hebrews chapter two, we've covered verse one and we've looked at the, uh, this idea. Let's take heed. To these things that we know, this is what Paul is saying. Alarm bells. <laughs> uh, take heed, guys. Really listen up to these things that we understand, that we know, um, that we have heard, lest we drift away. This is really, oh, this is so interesting in the context of, of the Jewish person. Okay. Mm. I find this so, 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 so interesting because ultimately Jewish people have this sense in and of themselves that like in this time, um, throughout, you know, ancient Israel and their history, they, they know that they are called to be God's people. The chosen ones. That's right. They are chosen and they are given the mission essentially to bring the Messiah into the world. That is like the, you know, it's when God calls Abraham, it was the, the first, you know, the, well, he's not even an Israelite. He's a pre-Israelite. He's the first patriarch. He is the one who God called and chose to, to, lead you know to that a nation would come from this guy mm. abraham uh and he says to abraham like you know i'll give you land i'll give you descendants but ultimately like, like the stars of the sky <laughs> that, that's right like i'll give you a whole big nation but ultimately their purpose would be to bless every family every person on earth um and that would take place it, it would um you know come into consummation through the life death and resurrection of the messiah of jesus that's how that would be ultimately mm. fulfilled. And so all throughout Jewish history, they've had this mission and now they've gone astray. They've fallen away a lot of times um, and they've been kind of punished. They've come back. They've made decisions that have in, like put them in totally the wrong place, but yep, they've consistently, they've, they've, and then they come to this point, the first century, the Messiah has come. He's lived, he's died, he's resurrected. He's gone back to heaven. He started the church. Um, and then like he is given the missionaries the you know the mission to go and to share this information with the world and it's interesting that he's writing Paul is writing this letter back to those who were given that mission because yeah. ultimately those who were given that mission didn't accept like a lot of them they didn't accept that Jesus was the Messiah he starts building this case and he says therefore oh I love this this is like such a such a good tactic as well because like he this is like oh this, this is a tactic that I kind of use, and I'll explain it a little bit. He says, therefore, we must give the, give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. You know, I often find myself in Bible study with other Christians, and I'm, you know, I'm sharing my perspective on what the truth of the Bible is, even other people from other faiths, or, yeah, a lot yeah. of people at the uni, um, I'm, I'm sharing Bible study with, and, you know, you, you hit them with that point of like, oh, what are we trying to do? Like, what am I trying to do through Bible study? And I'm like, and with with Christians from other denominations or other faiths, they can sometimes feel like, oh, but I already have 
you know, a truth. Like I already have. I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. I've got a belief. Like why would I need to study the Bible any further or any more? And it's like, well, let's actually see what the Bible says. Like let's see what God's truth is. You know, is it irresponsible for us to just look at what the Bible says and to interpret and to come to conclusion? No, that's exactly what God wants from us. And then, so Paul is using this method here. He's like, man, these are the people who are given the oracles of God, mm. the the services, the worship, the scriptures. Hey, guys, like, and he's about to make a case from the Bible, from their scripture, that Jesus really is the Messiah. And he's like, we are in need to go and to look at what the Bible says. Like, we're in such need. And it's like, to them, he's challenging their, their historic, you know, their cultural and their their racial pride. Like, hey, you guys were given all this information. Take heed. Listen up. Yeah, that's right. Listen up. And then it says here, lest you drift or lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. This reminds me of another He includes himself. So he's not immune either while he's sharing the teaching and giving the warning. He's in exactly the same position. We all are. We all are. And it's something that is echoed by... So there was a guy we see here. This is a book we've been to a couple times uh, this week. So we've got Hebrew here. Though it's, We say, we assume that it's written by Paul. Paul is a missionary to the world. But then we have the book of James, which is the next book over, which we're going to be looking at a verse from because it kind of mirrors this idea. Um, the book of James... James was like the first leader of the Christian church. Mm. Post-Jesus, he was like... He was the, the guy back in Jerusalem back in Judea, organizing everything. You know, if he was in our church system... He's like a project manager. He, well, he would, he would actually be like the conference president. Oh. So he's kind of has that title, has that role of like organizing everything and leading the church. That was a group of them. Um, but James is in that position. And, and in James's book, he is just very straightforward, direct, you know, comes out guns blazing, telling them how it is. Like, we should be doing this. We should be doing this. Like, let's get back to the religion of Christ. Um, but then if we come to James chapter five, specifically the end, um, where do you want to read for us? James chapter five and verse 19, Tabby. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring back, bring that person back. Actually read verse 20 as well. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, we see this same kind of idea popping up within the book of James. Now, it's a different context. He is writing to this specifically the Christian world, people who are in and amongst the churches. This is like a a conference president address to people who are already Christians on what how they should be living and what they should be doing. Um, And he gives them like an exhortation here, like, hey, if people drift away, if they wander from the truth, if they drift away from the faith, you have a need to like you should have a burden to want to see them come back and to share the truth with them, which is a burden that Paul has here by sharing this with the Jews. And that also we should have today, you know, consider who's in our own lives. Consider, oh man, do we know people who are struggling in their faith and that need edification Mm. right now that need to know the truth? You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM. We have come to question of the day. All right. What's our question of the day? Okay, it's a big one. We have to unpack this over maybe more than one session, but Mm -hmm. let's read it. If salvation is by God's grace through faith and repentance from sin, is it also necessary to worship and keep the holy seven-day Sabbath for one's salvation? Because Sunday worship is, quote, mark of the beast, 
If so, or do you want us to break yeah, it up? Yeah, no, keep going, keep going. Okay. If so, isn't it a, vi- a violation of a person is not justified by the works of the law, which also includes the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments? That's set in by a very um, good Bible student, Greg. Okay, oh, f- this is a fantastic question. This is quite a big question, and some of this I'm going to leave up to your guys' own study. Um, but some of this I'm going to try to answer specifically. Okay, so we have this first section of the question here. Um, if salvation is by God's grace through faith um, and repentance of sin, and then the next question is, which is, which is a Bible verse from Ephesians chapter um, 2 and verse 8. Let's actually read that. It says here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is such an unequivocal statement. Mm-hmm. How are we saved? By grace through, through faith. faith. Okay, so grace is being given to us by God, and then through faith we believe in God, we follow Jesus, um, and we accept him through repentance. We have faith to repent, knowing that he will cleanse us from our sins, and we will be saved. But then that follows up with, if we if we read here in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So therefore, it's like as a result of our salvation, we will then practice and perform good works. Mm. We will practice and perform good works. Like this is the the simple, the run of effect, not to be saved, but because we are saved. Because we are saved, we will then practice and perform good good works. It was James, you know, as we read his letter a bit before, briefly touched on him, who said faith without works is actually dead. Mm. It's like a, a faith where like you believe in Christ, who has given everything for you, who loves you so much and has called you to a new and better life, not only for eternity, but for today as well. Um, if, if, Christ, if then the expectation is, oh, and you don't have to change or do anything, like, no, like, Christ is calling you in many ways to change mm. and to to grow and to, we call this process sanctification. Yeah. But this first step of justification, of being saved, it is through grace, um, by, through, uh, by grace, through faith, we're saved. But then this next section, it says, okay, so this whole, um, about the holy, the seventh day Sabbath, is it required because Sunday is the mark of the beast? If you have any questions about Sunday being the mark of the beast, um, and specifically about the the Sabbath as well, um, send it in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We will answer it. But essentially, saying here, okay, so do we need to keep um, the law of God? Because it says here in the next part of this question, if so, isn't this a violation of a person is not justified by works of the law, which includes the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments? Now, that actually includes every Ten Commandment. Mm. If a person is not justified by the works of the law, then why should we keep them? Now, we said Good before um, that, you know, uh, we are not justified. We're saved by grace through faith. But then as a result of that, we will do good works. And if we go to the section of the Bible where he's quoting from uh, in this second quote, which is a person is not justified by the works of the law, we come to the book of Galatians chapter 2, where a specific um, problem rises up amongst Paul 
and Peter. And this is the, the, the situation that takes place. Uh, it basically talks about how Paul, he comes to Antioch. Uh, well, he's in Antioch and he's spending time with the Gentiles there. But then when Jews come from Jerusalem, he actually um, decides to not sit with the Gentiles anymore and to sit away from them. And so th- then Paul is calling out mm. his hi- hypocrisy. And in that context, he says, you are a Jew. You live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. You know, we're not justified um, by the works of the law. Um, But what works of the law is he talking about here? Was it, is he talking about the Ten Commandments? I don't find a Ten Commandment uh, in the Bible that says anything about disassociating with Gentiles. Um, This was actually laws that Jerusalem and and the Jews in Jerusalem had created themselves to distance themselves from Gentiles mm. that they called they called Gentiles common, and that's where Paul writes to this as well in the book of First Corinthians, and he says, "Don't call." Oh, and also in the book of Acts, where it's where Peter sees, "Hey, don't call what God has cleansed common." Mm. There is no common, there is no unclean amongst people anymore. God has clearly dropped that barrier that wasn't supposed to be a barrier to begin with. This law is made up by people, and that's where Paul speaks to this um, circumstance again. And he says, hey, if we're rebuilding these customs, this is also in Galatians chapter 2, then we're sinning. If we're reinstating these customs, we're sitting, we're falling short of the glory of God because the spirit of what is said in the law isn't in here. But in terms of the Ten Commandments, does this then say, oh, so we should go and murder and kill and steal Mm. and cheat and do all these things against these people, which includes keeping the Sabbath? No, like we we should uphold these laws because they are good for us. They are good works which God has ordained for us to do as a response to our salvation. So, guys, I hope that that has uh, answered that question in part. If you have any other questions, 0491064. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.